We can speak on any number of issues within the sustainability spectrum, but some topics are more obvious than others. If you've listened to the show before or if you've met me, you've likely noticed how often I address sustainability in a rather philosophical or abstract sense. You'll recall in episode one, titled Stories, for example, where we met with Tyler C. and discussed the importance of speaking to and learning about where our community members come from and what makes them tick. But to understand and effectively expand the definition of a sustainable mindset, practical discussions have to happen as well. Some discussions we've already had, such as clothing with Brie Krodinger on episode two, and hair care with Courtney Jackson on episode six. These specialties and the industries they highlight provide us with the feeling that we can make a larger impact in our societies than we realize. After all, if our world is to become cleaner and our communities truly more conscious, we have to start making small changes where we can, rather than a few of us doing everything right. Now, we speak about communities all the time on this show, so it's about time we focus on the most sacred of our spaces, our homes. Coeur d'Alene is growing faster and faster, and housing is always in high demand here. There is much debate within our city on how to most appropriately handle that situation, and the arguments tend to fly in any number of directions. My friend Brad Thrasher is here to help us sort through this housing subject. Besides having a ton of knowledge on housing and having a rad name, he's been working on an incredible project called Core Village, something I'll let him tell you about in just a bit. So to get right to it, and to avoid any further ramblings, let's get started with Episode 9 on the Sustainable Culture Podcast, Sustainable Housing. sitting here with Mr. Brad Thrasher from a company called Core Holdings. I really, really admire Core Holdings. If you're not aware of Core Holdings, I encourage you to check it out. They're doing some pretty cool stuff in secrecy these days, sort of, <laughs> and uh, you guys have done a lot of really cool things that I've really admired. But but uh, Brad is the project manager, and he's an operations guy for the Core Village project, which is something that is really awesome we're going to talk a little bit about today. So. Brad, tell us a little bit about what you do, what the Core Village Project is. Certainly, and uh, thanks for having me on here. I really appreciate that. Um, Welcome to the Sustainable Culture Podcast. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so the Core Village Project uh, started a few years back uh, as, as a, a vision. Um, Tom McNabb, a while back, he bought some land. Uh, he bought 35 acres out on the prairie. We bought it for water rights, actually, which is kind of funny. He uh, to the Rathrum Prairie Aquifer. Yeah, um, really, really good water we have here locally. Um, so he bought it for that, and then he looks up, you know, a year later, and says, "Okay, I have this land. What do I do with it?" <laughs> and so he starts talking with uh, me. This is around the time the Innovation Den and downtown Coeur d'Alene opened up, so we all got got connected that way. That's how I met you. Yeah, um, and how a lot, a lot of this stuff, how a lot of things started, actually, <laughs> um, and so. I uh, started talking about this this vision, and, and Tom was aware that, that throughout the world, globally, and, and also within the United States, that these sustainable 
villages were becoming more and more popular. And this, these environments, they, they've been around a long time. I mean, the sustainable aspect has become more important, obviously, in our modern time. But mm-hmm. these very community-focused villages or multi-use, mixed-use, rather, communities have been around for centuries. Uh, yeah, they, long, they long take time. different shapes and forms. That's very much so, yeah. Lots of different versions that you could see, but, but broadly speaking, they've been around for a long time. And in our particular area here, um, and they've also been very popular for a long time. I mean, you go back to, say, you go to Rome, for example, which, I mean, that's just a place that I've been, oh, yeah. so I can use it as an example from personal experience, but you go and you're in the square and you have the, the residents that live up top and the businesses on the bottom and the kind of the, the, the community gathering places as well, um, you know, intermixed with that. Mm-hmm. Beautiful buildings, often, you know, some green space spotting thing, you know, and all of that. Like, who wouldn't like that? And the humanity's been doing that forever. Yeah. But we don't really have that here in North Idaho. This is one no, of the most beautiful lot of places on earth. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an amazing place to live. And I will never leave. It's incredible. But that mixed use really the you know the community center and downtown Coeur d'Alene mm-hmm. has that a little bit but um and, and Riverstone tried to be that Riverstone and Coeur d'Alene you know it's a yeah. mixed use development they tried to be that but we don't really truly have a concentrated community like that right and that's what we want to create basically um and I've seen different things there's a lot of att- you're right there's a lot of attempts in Coeur d'Alene of that like you even see that with yeah. some of the community yeah. gardens because there's different community gardens you see in the area they there's different people i've noticed that have tried to like link up the community in different ways sure. like, and, and it's interesting about the riverstone development because you're i think you're right in that like they it is close like once you get into riverstone if you're unfamiliar with riverstone uh, and you don't live in Coeur d'Alene, riverstone is a big it didn't. It used to not be there at all. Um, there used to be nothing yeah, it used there. Used to be a, a mill, a sawmill, and uh, right. I think yeah. it's this area of land where I guess that an old mill where they ended up building. It started with the theater, and yep. restaurants all built around it. And it's right. this little walkable area. Once you get in there, it's pretty cool that it's. I like the fact that it's walkable. I do too. They, that, they that tried some core things. area that they started with, where they yeah. started with the theater and really built around the theater as a hub, which was a good idea. It worked, mm-hmm. um, but but as that they built out away from that, it mm-hmm. it changed, and uh, much yeah. of the core, that an uh, original center area, so much of it is dedicated to parking. Mm-hmm. Then it really it, it kills it because there's no yeah. place to really hang out or or have or for the for community to to gather it's it's dedicated to cars and obviously yes we have to put mm-hmm. the cars somewhere but the way that it was designed ultimately well it's downfall in terms of the fact that it's not what it necessarily set out to be it's yeah. a successful development and it's and it's awesome it's beautiful i love it i like going there but it is definitely lacking that the des- they design themselves out of that possibility basically yeah it kind of feels exclusive vibrant community right um that was that's a great public gathering place it's yeah Mm -hmm. it it feels like it's made for the the few residents that actually live there and as just just a slightly more beautiful normal commercial center if that you know Mm -hmm. makes sense (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) versus something really special yeah you go there and it, it does feel like its own little club which is kind of interesting but anyway, but no, you're right though. It, it's um, it's got an interesting vibe to it. They tried with that, but 
But you're saying that the way that like a, a village project that we've seen really throughout history, these are these are communities where would you say that like houses are built similarly and what 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 constitutes a village in terms of your core village project? Well, in terms of us, our primary are the the two pillars that I would say in our project are community and sustainability. Community mm-hmm. honestly is the most important thing because you can make something as sustainable and as environmentally friendly and as you want. But mm-hmm. if it fails to foster to cultivate community mm-hmm. and in that sense and that's a broad term of course but but we all really know what it means mm-hmm. um, a sense of togetherness a sense of you really want this to be your your third place that you spend all of your time we have our homes we have our places of work and then there's that third place and where is that you know where do you want that to be mm-hmm. and and funny enough I think uh I won't tangent too much, too hard here, but it's Star- okay. Starbucks, I love tangents. <laughs> Starbucks kind of pioneered that that third place in America, at least. Yeah. That third place where people wanted to go and just spend time, and it was whether they were by themselves or they were with friends, mm-hmm. or, or maybe where they might run into a friend. It's it, it, they really. It was it was almost like a living room away from home, if that makes sense in the way they set yeah. their places up. Yeah. And at least their original places, um, they were very cozy. They had the leather chairs and the fireplaces and over in the Seattle area where, where I spent, I, I grew up actually over there. So I've been into mm-hmm. a lot of the older, their older locations and they were all like that. Mm-hmm. And that was massively successful. It created that sense of, it was a sense of community and comfort, pleasantness from a design and um, mm-hmm. decor perspective. And that third that third place basically yeah i think and, a lot of the yeah. most successful places now that you're bringing up starbucks like even like coffee shops in general mm-hmm. Coeur d'Alene coffee and <laughs> um places that have you know couches like nice like not just seating but like areas in which you can relax like here at Coeur d'Alene coffee for example in the innovation den where we're at right now the, you know you got the fireplace and you got the couches right. and people can meet up and just chill right or they can just they can sit there and have a conversation or they can sit there and work on whatever they're working on yeah it, it is like a living room i hadn't thought of it that way and it's, it's funny sense. because a lot of you don't and and i definitely was in this position where you don't actually realize that but you you there, there's certain types of places that you're just drawn to naturally and you keep going back to and you don't necessarily think about why that is and if you stop and think about it you you, you do you figure that out but mm-hmm. but there's this subconscious you know these reasons why we're drawn to certain spaces mm-hmm. and and that is the and that's that's a very repeatable from a design perspective is mm-hmm. a repeatable thing it's not yeah it's not random there, there are ways to, it's not necessarily a math equation. They are, there are X factors, of course, in there too, and the nuances that we were discussing earlier that, that yeah, for sure. But but it is, if, if done right, it's it's repeatable. You can, you don't you don't just accidentally do it. I mean, yeah. you can, but usually not. If we yeah. accidentally <laughs> or just, you know, normally we end up with something that's, you know, uninspired and, and, and stale. So nor- normally you have to, yeah, really have the intention of doing that from the, the get-go but um so in Coeur Coffee Co and the den at large did a great a very good job with that yeah um, and which is why it's so popular 
Yeah, the, the more welcoming the atmosphere when you walk in, the more you want to hang out. And it, it I mean, sure. there's so much evidence of that. So it's absolutely. And that, and that environment will contribute to that if it's a great, if it's a pleasant, beautiful, inspired environment that will affect the psyche and your, your mood and all of these things, which mm-hmm. you can then transfer to the people around you and the people that are coming in and that creates the vibe and, and all of these things affect each other. Everything matters you know, right. in the end. You bet. So starting with the, uh, on the baseline, creating that awesome environment mm-hmm. is kind of the, the canvas basically in which everything else kind of comes out of is a huge deal. Yeah. It really. So around a village changer. project, for example, you're saying right. that, that atmosphere, that, that sort of, um, overall welcoming vibe is in, is at least in t- attempted to be included within a whole village, not just a place like a coffee shop. Yes, but in a grander, sort exactly. of more grand of a scale. Yeah, the, the indoors and the outdoors uh, is is the idea to uh, to, and that's a tall order to, to pull that off and and, yeah. inst- and instill that into every aspect of a large development which is one of the reasons why we're taking our time we want to be sure that it's it's done right um you mm-hmm. can't undo especially in the development world you can't undo things yeah you can't just scooch your couch right yeah like oh, i'm gonna move this building over here or i'm gonna oh let's redo this it doesn't really work that way right so um it, so from the you know the concept and the vision phase it's been it's been quite clear but uh but executing and you know taking you know vision to a this is how it, it pencils out and you know the a vision and, and even the end product can be amazing but mm-hmm. everything in between that the money and you know making the, the financials make sense and, and, and executing quite a process it all has to work you yeah know, the, the end the end result is the not enough yeah know? <laughs> so and we'll talk a bit about the financial aspect in a bit but first I yeah. want to kind of start with now that we've kind of introduced sort of what you're working on right now. Mm-hmm. I, I want to kind of start with some of the basic stuff. So when we talk about sustainable housing, I mean, what exactly are we talking about? How is a sustainable house different from your run-of-the-mill American home? Sure. Well, there's a lot of technically definitions of what a, a quote-unquote sustainable home is. It can take many forms. Um, uh, I mean, you could have a highly energy-efficient home with LED lighting and energy star, this and that and all of that. And you mm-hmm. can technically call that a sustainable home insofar as that it's energy efficient and that it's, it has, you know, less emissions than your, right. uh, you know, quote unquote, um, ultimately from your, your current house. But when you really get into it, the, the, at least in an ideal world, it's not just energy efficiency, but there's, there's so much that goes into it and you can get into the, the total embodied carbon of, of a given building, which meaning that for the, the building that was built, mm-hmm. you look at everything that went into building that building, all of the trucks, all of the materials, From start all of to the, finish, the everything, yeah. and what's the total you know implication as far as the the emissions and and, and, and it, I guess using the, the carbon aspect is an easy way to distill all of that if it comes back down to that but it's it's really more than that in the mm-hmm. end but but ultimately yeah sustainable the, the further down that path you go the more sustainable a home is um and so um kind of present how deep you want to get very much so again it's on you can go you can go shallow which is basically energy efficiency and you can go 
really, really deep as well. Um, right. I mean, deep even to the point where you're well beyond environmental implications and you're purely focused on uh, human well-being, basically. And, you know, oh, such, man, as, yeah. such as the environment and how that environment makes you feel, the quality of the air, mm-hmm. um, how harmonious is it with, with the outdoors and with nature and how seamless is it from going from the inside to the outside and does the design language reflect the design language of of nature and all kinds of things yeah. that, that you can get. It's very, it's a massive, it's a deep rabbit hole, a really cool one for sure. And the deeper yeah. that you go, the, you know, the, the more I would say essential some of those things become, but all of it is there. There's a point to all of it though. Yeah. I've um, even seen those houses that, that are shaped in such a way to blend into their surroundings. Right. Like the Hobbit uh, house sort of a thing. Yeah, that else. kind yeah. of thing. I've seen anything from... <laughs> those, are, those are awesome. Those are so amazing. I'm such yeah. a Lord of the Rings fan too, so I yeah, see I that too. kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, I want to live <laughs> yeah, there like a Hobbit. Sweet. Yeah, and I, I see that stuff and I, I get so inspired because, you know, there's, there's houses I've even seen that have, um, they're like a box kind of, and they're just set up in such a way where the, the roofs are slanted just at the right angle to where if you're driving on the road and you looked out at the field in which the house sits you you really wouldn't even see the house unless right. you were looking for it yeah the, and it's done intentionally that way so you see the surroundings i i think that's right. amazing too absolutely and that's that's again another you know, kind of an aspect that's deeper down the rabbit hole of how it impacts even from just a psychological preference of of or perspective of, of beauty and how that impacts mm-hmm. nature or or you know what you can perceive is that yeah you can take it all the way to that where you just yeah. you just want the view to be maintained as you drive down that piece of road. You it's know, it's so not, important too. Not have that imposed. Yeah, on and that's a body. deeper level of I think system. I mean, assuming they're doing all the development and stuff and all that stuff. I mean, it is definitely deeper. Yeah, um, but but relevant. I mean, these things they impact they impact our quality of life in the end. I think we take a lot of those things for granted, but things, totally. they, they add up. <laughs> you, know? you bet. In terms of developing, well, what, are, what are some things about the way we develop? I mean, prior to building a home, that is unsustainable. Speaking of like, you know, as of now, we're comparing to sort of your run of the mill to the sustainable way. Right. What are some key differences there? I think a lot of it is contextual. So depending on the, the environment that you are developing in, but an easy... I mean, an easy example is, say, you know, developing an, an environment where there's actual wildlife impact implication. Mm. You, know, you know, there's many ways to go about that. You can go and you can clear cut, uh, you know, a piece of land and, and uproot mm-hmm. everything and, you know, create that clean slate. Or you can try to minimize your, your impact and leave as many natural features as possible, leave slopes, leave leave some boulders, leave some trees or whatnot and design around it and let that contribute to the natural beauty and the final product. Mm-hmm. It takes more thought to do that. Not always more money actually, but certainly more thought. You can't take cookie cutter apartment complex and just plop it down in an environment where you're designing around the natural the natural features yeah. where it may it might impact again, you know, wildlife or, or anything else that's that's already there I imagine like a let's say for example uneven you know ground a lot of people will 
I know a lot of developers will will flatten out a whole area. You kind of touched on clear cutting. Typically. Yeah, and yeah. I know I've seen a lot of sustainable houses really try to work around that and build the houses around that. It takes more time, but it can be done. It does take more time. It takes more, yeah, it takes more more time and more, and again, more creativity, more thought. It's it's usually a deal where innovation requires design and uh-huh. innovation. Yeah, 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 right, yeah, God forbid. Yeah, yeah, we have to, to yeah. innovate and not just... You don't have the same cookie cutter. Well, this is this is the process, and this is the design. Right. This is how we build houses. And period. It, exactly. You know? <laughs> and so I would say that from a and that's I, you know, there's there's functional aspects that would need to be, but I mean, it really comes down to a mindset, which which oh yeah, you know, we've seen before. There's it's, there's more to all of this than just mindset, but but that's definitely part of the issue. Is this is just how it's done getting rid of that mindset from the get-go of this is just how we do things is yeah. probably actually now I'm just thinking of this now one of the most important things you bet I mean I, I talk about mindset all the time I, I sound like a broken record sometimes I feel like but <laughs> but you when you're talking about doing anything sustainable housing you know we talked about coffee shops starting up a coffee shop doing a clothing business talking to someone yeah you know, getting involved in a maybe even a tense conversation and trying to learn about someone that you know you're going to disagree with, like all of this stuff starts with your mindset prior to even going into it. And and I hundred percent, you're right. Yeah, you know, when when yeah. you get into this stuff, it's it's just everything. And so I feel like when it sounds like what you're saying is when you're going to you know develop sustainably in terms of housing, there's a process that goes on prior to the development in the first place. Prior to even the planning, you have to make that decision. Okay, we're going to do this in a sustainable way, right? And we have to consider that the entire way through. You do. Um, yeah, it's 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 very true. It's very easy. You can get off track and and veer back into the easy route very quickly, very easily. Yeah, because, I bet. because because inevitably, when you are working on on any development project, there's so many different parties that are involved there's I mean, there's there's the city there's dozens of subcontractors and the architect and, and the engineers and there's there's so much going on yeah and any Efficiency one of those guys or, or will yeah right, right exactly is typically the if 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 you don't have a really tight rein on it and you don't really um, really keep focus on what you're trying to accomplish with the, the vision it, it just naturally always goes back to the you know maximum efficiency and well this is what we know this is what we've done before mm-hmm. and, and all of that yeah so it is interesting yeah. how we always sink back in to those methods and it's in I think it's an honest thing I mean I really do I mean when you're sure. when it's you're human just, nature really for sure I mean, I mean you know it works we do that with with <laughs> really everything when you think about it um, right yeah we like to do things the easy way yeah, that's, that's what humans do you bet <laughs> i think it was steve jobs that has a quote and i'm paraphrasing but he says something like lazy people make the best engineers because <laughs> because they're they're able to find the efficiencies right. in in, un, in inefficient like methods you know like <laughs> and i love that quote because i think it just touches on human nature like you mentioned it's you know it's easy to fall back into those basic patterns because you know it works you know the price there's no there's less surprises i should say and and this and that innovation is harder it's a lot harder but 
I think it's more exciting and, and especially Absolutely with sustainability. More exciting. It's more rewarding. Um, it's there. There's so many things. There's so many reasons. There's a million reasons to to pursue the you know, the path that, of greater resistance, but with greater reward. And again, that can mm-hmm. be applied to. I mean, I guess these these principles that are ultimately ultimately become issues with sustainable development can be applied to almost almost everything you I bet mean, you know from just how we get out of bed in the morning and, mm-hmm. and you know just from yeah you know from from a to z so it all goes back to that mindset exactly. uh, from the very get-go you're absolutely exactly. right exactly but as far as you know to come back to the question of what what can be done um, prior to or on the early stages of development and as a more concrete example of if you have something to say you have uh a hill or something you were mentioning that homes mm-hmm. that how they're built oriented to hills or into hills and all of that yeah and the, the orientation of, of, of a particular piece of land for, for example southern exposure you know is, is just how you decide to orient the whole project yeah can can have massive massive implications on that so you can you can easily use the terrain to your advantage not just because it seems like the right thing to do or it is maybe a better way to do it but Mm -hmm. you can actually you can actually utilize those features the natural features to your advantage um, ultimately having to have long-term implications uh, as well Mm -hmm. Um, that that are very functional and that that help it pencil out (laughs) you know over time with energy consumption or um, or just a higher value not to mention it makes it much more unique. I, I, I think those houses, people really... Well, at this point, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. It makes this, it stands out. You bet. Yeah. So speaking of, I mean, there are many different styles of what's considered a sustainable home, like we mentioned. Right. Like designers have really taken this idea and innovated some really incredible buildings. One of these kinds of standards out of, there's many, like you mentioned, that you've had experience with is called LEED certified. If you haven't heard of this, it uh, is an acronym, LEAD. It stands for Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. I studied this a little bit in, in some of my sustainability courses in college. Right. Um, really fascinating stuff. Can you tell us a bit about that and, and how do LEAD certified buildings tend to separate themselves from other buildings? Yeah, LEAD is a, a great program. They're probably the probably the most the most well-known as far as the, um, I guess the, the, you could call it a design standard, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, certification that you can get and and there's several out there um, others that are similar to lead but again lead is probably one of the oldest and one of the most um, developed at, at this point mm-hmm. um, methods yeah they're gaining popularity standards very much so um, I mean even here in Coeur d'Alene in the North Idaho area there's a number of, of lead certified buildings which which you wouldn't know that they were if you didn't actually look but online I think it's on I don't know if it's on lead site or not but you can go and you can you can actually look at it is there's, I went there's on there's there a and search database yeah and the first one that I that I noted that was here was funny enough as a, a Starbucks but I was surprised that 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 <laughs> building was it's, it's lead certified the one on Ironwood wow. by the hospital really um, yeah see I didn't so, even know that and you That's wouldn't even know going in but so but there's a lot of elements to that and again first and foremost it's I mean the goal of lead of course I mean they, they set out the design standards that make it easier for it, it kind of removes the mystery of what do I need to do to get X product you know mm-hmm. X quality of building or um, X level of sustainability and there's different levels of lead you can achieve and gold and platinum and you know, all of that 
Um, but it's interesting because the the standards themselves are are excellent and essential. Really, it gives a pathway and how to achieve how to achieve you know again a certain product mm-hmm. um, early on. And I think that they've more or less addressed this issue, um, or or they're continuing to work on addressing this issue. Mm-hmm. Is that um, early on and this was a whole I think that they didn't identify that they did after the fact and the whole thing was that they have these standards and you can get certified as a lead building but basically how it, it worked was that you you draw up all the the plans so you, you bring basically the final designs of this is what we are building this is what we're approved for and all of that through the city and everything and the lead certification was based on the designs and not necessarily the final product hmm. so there could be deviation between approval of plans and getting all of that finalized to doors are open and people are in you know using the building and all of that right and so for a while people were, were you know kind of turning their nose up a little bit like well what's the you know this is kind of this is kind of a I don't know uh, you know what's 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 the point? You know, sort of a thing. Like yeah, what's the pragmatic kind of result? Like you can here, say the same yeah. thing with the USDA certification of well, yeah, it has the organic for food. You know, well, it has that, but there's all these things in the middle. You know, that could go this mm-hmm. way or that way, and it doesn't. It's not a guaranteed indicator of quality. Right. So, um, and they've they've done a lot of work to to address that. And at this point in time, it's it's a it's a pretty tight system where you know inspections are being done post build and all of that and you don't mm-hmm. get your certification unless it passed certain tests and all of that mm-hmm. and so um, yeah there's a lot that goes into that and they, and they evaluate many things from you know the, the envelope tightness air quality um, you know obviously materials that are being used and energy efficiency which is most of which is highly measurable um, mm-hmm. uh, measurable stuff but yeah I think lead is awesome there's a there's a few others out there that are really good well WELL is another um, really good standard they're they're mm-hmm. highly focused on indoor environmental quality basically so air quality and and, and oh, okay. kind of a well-being sort of how it affects your physical and mental health um, so very ethically oriented inside of a space yeah uh, yeah very much so um, another interesting one um, is passive house or passive house technically haus it's uh, originated and the, the standard originated in europe Mm-hmm. Um, and the U.S. has its own version of that here now. Huh. Um, and that whole thing is, and, and I bring this up because I think it's just interesting, the, the different types of standards that are out there. So passive house is distinct from, from lead and well in that their primary focus is envelope tightness, which leads to um, certain levels of air quality, but most importantly, certain levels of, of um, thermal efficiency. So, hmm. because passive house to be to be certified passive house, you basically at the end of construction they do what's called a blow test. They have specialized equipment that will um, they they force air through all different parts of the house, mm-hmm. and they can measure if there's any leaks anywhere. So during the construction process, if a random guy mm-hmm. put a nail hole somewhere and didn't cover it up, and it was just a pointless nail hole that just mm-hmm. shouldn't be there but you know just I don't know stuff happens 
it'll fail the blow test because wow. there's because there's a gap and yeah. the blow test will, will catch that and that's a thermal inefficiency it's a thermal it's a thermal bridge basically that is fast i've never so, heard of passive house their main focus is basically maximum thermal efficiency and then you have something like lead and well they're a bit more um broad they're more broad and they, yeah. they cover a lot of different things um but and but so I think that there, there's more than one way to achieve something that is, again, quote-unquote sustainable, but different, mm-hmm. different standards have different focuses. Do, do any of these vary in terms of, just, just curious, do any of these vary in terms of, because obviously there's a primarily focused around the building, but are they focused at all on the external design at all, like maybe just like the property area? Um, yes, as far as, yes, yeah, so not the exterior of, of the home, but of the immediate surrounds um, basically the grounds yeah like I've, I've seen different for example there's different lead buildings going back to lead mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. i've seen um like when i lived in portland oregon there's a couple of um they advertise that they're lead certified and they really try and boast that lead program right with their building and, and right, there's a couple and that so. it can be hard to achieve that it yeah. can yeah and and i see a lot of really interesting external like for example uh, design of the grounds rather than it just being grass for example they'll do these big you know right. really cool gardens and stuff i mean is that directly related to lead or is that something that's more just a cool accompaniment uh from what i'm aware of and there could be some updates that have changed at this point but to my to my knowledge it's not based on the immediate, um, the surroundings. It's focused mm-hmm. on the building. Now there there are development, um, sustainable development implications that that um, I think will will uh, factor in as far as you qualifying or not. But as far as the ultimately, you can you can qualify for lead if without having a you know a beautiful parkers you know like just mm-hmm. green space you know lush thing immediately around and again like the, the starbucks building is a great case in point mm-hmm. everything around it's concrete it's it's a parking lot right <laughs> so <laughs> so it's that's not necessarily the focus of most of these standards there is a standard though and i would say that from what i know of probably the most stringent and thorough, crazy, awesome standard that I know of is called the um, the Living Building Challenge, is which is kind of a funny name for a standard. The Living but, Building Challenge. Um, and they have different, um, they call them petals, like a flower petal of uh, different things you need to achieve. But basically, in short, they're all about, well, I guess the best word is, is everything. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they get into everything from the inside of the building to the external design language of the building yeah how that flows and how it's harmonious physically and visually with the surrounding um, the natural surrounding environment mm-hmm. they, everything that is measurable and that is psychologically and physically and mission wise and sustainability all of that everything that is related is accounted for basically and it's it's pretty insane huh. actually so if you you can find some of the most uh, amazing and unique buildings that have been um, built through that standard to to achieve right um, that standard i'd actually highly if you haven't heard of it living building challenge highly recommend looking looking them up um just yeah. if for no other reason just to marvel at what it is it is unfortunately i can't imagine how you could ever make something like that pencil out from just a conventional financial perspective. Yeah. Usually things built to that degree are passion projects 
right. by people who are well healed and want to see something happen or that are um, heavily subsidized by the government or mm-hmm. things like that. We'll have to look into some um, of that on the break. That, that is really, really cool. Yeah, neat stuff. Living Building Challenge. We'll yeah, have to look but that they, up But sure. they do, they get, and they're, they're one of the few that I'm aware of at least that get into what you do with your the, the environment, the exterior. Mm-hmm. It, it matters, and they do factor that in. They're all about what's called um, biophilic design, is is what they call it. So it's basically mm-hmm. it's the idea is to connect nature and, and the building and the people together, basically. Oh my gosh, I love that. Ideas. Yeah, it's pre- it's pretty it's pretty cool. That's the kind of yeah. stuff I get so jazzed. That's the on stuff of dreams. You know, if we could make oh, everything that way, there'd be so much beauty in the world that I think we wouldn't have any problems. But <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know. Well, that's what we're talking but, about. You yeah. know, that's, that's definitely that's the dream. A lot of yeah. people critique having utopian dreams. I say fooey to that. I, I love <laughs> I love utopian dreams because how are we? You know, they they always, the old saying aim for the stars and you'll hit somewhere. Right. Well, absolutely. <laughs> you need to have an ideal, uh, a standard that you're that you're shooting for you, know? you bet so if you can't quite get there then so be it but yeah mm-hmm. I think overshooting is always it's always a good plan as far as I'm concerned <laughs> oh yeah I'm all about that yeah so let's take a quick break we're gonna we're gonna take some time take a quick breather maybe stretch a little if you're listening and want to do some chores or something I don't know <laughs> but uh, we'll be right back we're gonna talk a little bit more about sustainable housing we're gonna address some of the potential downfalls to it perhaps if there are some I think there might be some interesting feedback there and and, uh, see where we can go from that. So we'll be right back. Thanks again for listening to the show, folks. Just so you know, you can now make a donation to support the show whenever and wherever you want. Go to patreon.com slash sustainable culture podcast to do so. You can make it a one-time thing, or if you want to be really awesome, you can schedule it as a monthly payment. Any support helps push this show up to the next level. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get back to the show. So welcome back to the Sustainable Culture Podcast. We are here with Mr. Brad Thrasher of Core Holdings. We've been talking a bit about sustainable housing and, and different facets of that. And we're going to get back into this and we're going to address a couple new topics. And one of the first things I'd like to bring up here, Brad, is types of uh, building materials. We, we talk a lot about like development. We've already addressed development. We've already addressed different sets of innovation that is required to talk about sustainable housing. But what kind of building materials do you think we need to switch away from, in your opinion? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. Tough to answer that without, because if we switch away from something, we need to replace it with something. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the tough question. Things that we, to, that we would do well to use less of, I, I think, would be maybe a way to answer it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say concrete and steel are the two things that come to mind first, because they have... A significant um, carbon footprint, uh, right. very heavy. Also, steel is it's finite. Uh, concrete as well. It's funny you think of concrete as they use sand and water and other things that seem like they're very abundant. But a, a great case in point for the problem with concrete is China has. Uh, you know, they're massive. They're doing. They're building like crazy, growing like crazy over there. And they have, they're using so much concrete for their infrastructure, roads, dams, all kinds of stuff, bridges, Mm -hmm. um, using so much of it that they are having trouble actually finding the sand that they need 
within their own country, which is massive. Yeah. To make enough concrete for their needs. They're importing a lot of that stuff now. So it goes to show oh, that even something like that is not it's it's not infinite. So that said, the question is That's yeah, incredible by the way. What do you replace it? <laughs> it is it's hard to imagine. Yeah, it's very running out imagine. of sand. We don't have enough um, sand. Right. Yeah, it's like it's something <laughs> that, that is a hard take, thing for me to imagine. You take for granted, probably, or probably most people take for granted. Right. But yeah, when you get to a certain level of of volume and development, almost almost. I mean, I guess in that regard, you can get to if you get to a certain level, then all things are unsustainable, and at some point, I mean, you just you know. But but at the same oh, yeah. time, it's you know. So how do you maximize? Yeah, the sustainability, and one of the things that has I think really a, a ton of promise is have you heard of mass mass timber before or mass timber or cross laminated timber CLT wood I have heard of cross laminated CLT so a lot of really really great promise with that so basically it's mass timber is a broader term for different types of alternative wood products and mm -hmm. CLT is one of the more common mass timber products and stands for yeah, cross laminated timber and so basically what it is is it's it's a imagine I get you could imagine just a beam a wood beam and traditionally mm -hmm. to create that wood beam that needs to be carved out of a trunk you know hmm. um, a single trunk basically typically if it's say if, if, if it's to have a certain um, load-bearing ability and structural integrity and all of that right with CLT mass timber products they can take other components that would normally be multiple types of or, or pieces of, of, of wood mm -hmm. they would normally not be usable and would basically be scrap and they can combine them to create um, in this case a comparable or, or superior beam of wood so instead of having to blow through an entire tree for say a beam mm -hmm. they can take scraps of this and this and that and all of that and combine it to get the same thing so it greatly reduced it, re it reduces essentially so firstly it reduces waste significantly mm -hmm. from uh, the prospect of wood and, and wood I guess to back up a little bit wood is obviously highly sustainable because we can grow it <laughs> right um, there's a right and wrong way to we, do we it can actually yeah. we can actually control that yeah fairly reasonably versus we can't control the amount of steel and sand really and there's other things that are available mm -hmm. within the earth um, and they is can that, also is that stronger? be harvested much stronger so the uh, to put it in perspective wood if, if you look at a building that does not use any steel and it's wood structure yeah only. wood's amazing but the load bearing abilities the strength um, the, the wood has is obviously very limited compared to something like steel right. so you normally can't build um, a building over I uh, say five or six stories probably typically and that varies you know for various reasons but we just call it five or six stories roughly of exclusively wood frame um, anything beyond that and you have to you have to get into steel mm -hmm. basically with mass timber or CLT that increases that and this is just what the technology is capable of up to this point can get up to about 18 stories so you can basically you know multiply the, <laughs> the height oh capabilities by about three yeah. All the while, you know, avoiding steel. 
and there's other implications too but you know that with wood versus steel just to stay on that for a second as from a harvesting perspective and just the overall environmental impact the weight of it and transporting it and all of that I mm. mean, wood you know timber is is superior in every way shape and form hands mm-hmm. down the only problem with it is some of the inherent limitations with what you can what you can build what you can achieve but mm-hmm. but clt is is addressing not not to you know a an infinite degree we're not i don't know if we're ever going to be at a time where we're building you know high rises out of all wood <laughs> but at the same time <laughs> yeah this, the clt capabilities are massively um you know increasing the the, the wood capabilities it also makes right. it more fire resistant too with how they put it together so, which is another, another oh, that's interesting too. strength of steel that would would normally fall shorter on, but uh, but so another you know long term. Yeah. Well, so thing. I mean, speaking of that, I mean, what are some other? So we're talking about better materials to use. I mean, what are some other materials that you know of? I've heard of people making concrete out of hemp, hempcrete, yeah. yes, um, or bamboo flooring, bamboo yes. stuff in general. Some folks even make their homes out of mud. And right. other things of the earth. Anything in particular we should keep our eyes out for aside from yeah. different wood stuff? Definitely. Well, bamboo, firstly, is awesome. I mean, you could almost call that just as an offshoot of wood, basically. And mm-hmm. it's incredible. Uh, it's very durable. I mean, it grows like a weed. <laughs> it's, it's, it grows crazy fast. Um, Someone, I remember reading a study saying that bamboo. in the right environmental areas, it can grow up to three feet a day. Bamboo shoots. Um, really, I didn't even know that. Three feet <laughs> per day. It's like you That's could sit incredible. there and watch it grow. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you. Yeah, it's almost like yeah, watching the clock. Like, yeah. It's just like, eh. Well, <laughs> and you mentioned China earlier. Speaking of bamboo, just wow. a, a quick tangent here is mm-hmm. is um, they still you effectively today they still use bamboo for their lattice work for when they're building buildings. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's it's true. Yeah, it's incredibly strong. It's it's amazing. The strength to weight ratio on on that material mm-hmm. is is amazing. Um, and yeah, the application, especially flooring. I think one of the reasons it's so popular for flooring is that I mean, it's a natural material, which is always more desirable than something that's that's synthetic. Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, everybody likes wood floors. You know, Who, oh, yeah. why, why wouldn't you? <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's very it's very durable. Um, and again. And one of the things, so it works great for certain applications, but one of the, the things that um, can be kind of tough about bamboo where it's, it's uh, much, well, it's narrow. I mean, just the, the stalks are fairly narrow. So there's lots of ways, kind of like the CLT, where there's things that can be done to increase the, you know, the girth and therefore the different applications on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some things that, for example, uh, with... Uh, you, you can build a wall out of wood or out of bamboo or you know uh, but it, it takes a lot of it to to do mm-hmm. that so um but i would say that yeah bamboo is is awesome another thing to really um i think one of the the coolest materials that has the most promise and intrigues me the most is hemp and you mentioned hempcrete yeah and that's one of the coolest the coolest product seriously i'm so fascinated it's, with the idea of using hemp yeah i mean you we hear about using hemp for all kinds of stuff i yeah. used to have some hemp shoes yeah <laughs> i like there's people make clothes out of hemp fabric and stuff and that's really cool yeah. there's all this cool stuff you can do but the fact that you can make concrete out of it it's it's pretty amazing so with with hempcrete it's it's, it's a combination of hemp 
uh, limestone as well. It's it's a mixture basically of, mm-hmm. of those those two or more than that and water of course and other things. But it's yes, you know, basically yeah, it's creating concrete out, but in a completely different way. So hempcrete in its current form, what we can achieve with it is amazing. Um, it's not, I think, more widely used because, especially in the States, because of the stigma of hemp. I mean, the stigma of hemp has greatly inhibited the, the innovations. What if my house catches on fire? Will right. I get stoned? Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's the part of, you know, the funny thing about that is that hemp, uh, in general, if it's processed right, and hempcrete in particular, is incredibly fire resistant um it's it will it's a it, it doesn't really burn it more as if it i'm not even sure it even smolders to be honest it's in, it's incredible wow. for fire resistance so and re, if you compare it to wood actually it's it's vastly superior to to that and the interesting thing about huh. hempcrete and other hemp products and even just if you want to look at just pure hemp even so hempcrete is a mixture of materials mm-hmm. but there's some friends I have in the ind- by the industri- industry, I mean, the, the, call it the sustainable industry, where they have a sustainable focus on su- sustainable technology. Basically, they're working with a company that um, they're early, they're, they're still early in the development, but they've, it's, at this point, it's, it's a proven technology, and they're just working on how to scale it, basically, and they're working with some of the, the big boys out there and how to how do we scale this and bring this to market. Yeah. But the product is pure hemp, so there's no limestone or anything else. It's pure hemp. Huh. And the way that they um, if it's if it's um, processed, let's just call it, in a certain way, it can achieve a rigidity that it's almost like you can almost use carbon fiber versus steel as kind of a comparison here. Oh, it has a it has an incredible rigidity and strength to weight ratio that is superior even to steel, and so I imagine it's more lightweight too. Much lighter weight, a fr- fraction. A tenth, oh my gosh, a tenth of the weight probably somewhere thereabouts, um, and obviously much more sustainable. It's but it's a hundred percent hemp, and the, the cool wow. thing about that is that we're not having to draw you know other things from the earth in the case in the case of hempcrete limestone and all of that mm-hmm. to. Um, to, to make that creation. But the thing about hemp and all the, most of the, the virtues of hempcrete come from the hemp specifically, needless mm-hmm. to say. But the higher percentage of hemp you have in one of those products, the, the greater the benefit for, well, for sustainability, for the material being used, and for the other things it can do. And one of the really cool things about hempcrete, or we'll just say hemp in general, as a a building material is that it's many things it, it, it can perform many functions by itself that would normally take several systems or materials in traditional building mm-hmm. so hempcrete and this other hemp product that I mentioned that again it's in early phases mm-hmm. um, has load bearing capabilities so you don't have to and traditionally hempcrete early renditions of it did not have load bearing capabilities where you couldn't just build you know a, a building with just hempcrete walls you had to reinforce it with yeah. some steel or or some um you know some kind of stick frame or something like that okay so it's, um, it is more sustainable but but only it, so much it's yeah it, it needed it needed the the support of other yeah. materials yeah. Um, now, though, the way things are going, it's getting to a point where they are load-bearing, so you can build a house, you can build walls, um, and, and not, I'm not sure, I think the application of, of 
roofs is probably maybe the jury's out on that but as far as walls go um it's getting to a point where they are load bearing and huh. not only are they are they load bearing but the insulation level so if you look at hemp if you if you take a hemp wall that's a, a, a foot thick and yeah. you compare that to a conventional wall that has a, a foot of your typical you know insulation or fiberglass batting or something yeah. like that the R value, the, insul- the, the insulation value of hemp, um, depending on what you're comparing it to compared to your typical insulation, is, is greater. So the, basically, the insulating value of hemp is incredible. You have a, hemp, a hempcrete wall. Um, typically, R values, if I recall correctly, R values on that exceed about, um, about R40. And your typical wall with your typical insulation that's more affordably built is closer to about R16 and a a higher, you know, a slightly nicer and higher insulation walls about R25-ish yeah. thereabouts. And then you get into your your passive house type of thing I mentioned earlier. Often walls of, of that stuff are approaching R40, maybe 50 or 60, and that's through the use of foam insulations that are quite expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, very effective, but expensive. But so basically, Hempcrete has incredible insulating capabilities and that's not just to keep you warm I mean that's just temper temperature regulation all around it, it slows right. heating and cooling so it reduces it reduces cost and therefore emissions oh, yeah. and all of that on both sides of the spectrum so it has that it also has a very this is what's completely unique to to hemp it has moisture absorbing attributes so basically it helps it helps regulate the moisture level inside the building it it, huh. it helps basically, it sounds kind of crazy, but it actually helps recycle the air, so to speak. It absorbs because that it, makes absorbs, sense, yeah. it absorbs CO2 and, and other things and can basically help. So it's almost like a natural air filter, if that makes sense. So that is amazing. <laughs> it, can, it, can serve, it can serve as your, your load bearing, your, your, your structure, mm-hmm. your insulation. It's incredibly noise not noise resistant, but it creates a great, um, um, you know, noise. Like just insulating? Buffer, yeah. So yeah. for a more, you know, peaceful and kind of separated interior, if you like that. And the, basically the recycling of the air. So it's doing right. all of those things as one material, and it's also incredibly sustainable. So mm-hmm. I think, personally, from everything that I know, that the most exciting thing and the most promising material is hemp. And building for, I would agree with you. for for the vast majority of structures, and you know how that applies to say something like a high rise. I mean, it, it is highly applicable. You can have a steel yeah. frame and then have all of the walls and all the fill and all of that be hemp, so it's entirely doable. Man, um, but it's yeah. Really, is it really any more expensive? Exciting. Like, is any of this stuff more expensive than what's been considered well, standard? Like, yeah, it, it is, and like every, but but not so much that it's undoable. Hempcrete is actually not that not to the problem with all of these things is the availability i mean so it's it's only so far into the market mm-hmm. you know has a, the, the adoption is still pretty low so you know the, the earlier something in the adoption cycle is the more expensive it is it's not hasn't scaled to a point where you know it's it's not commonly used and also right. to you, you need somebody working with hempcrete uh, for example 
is a specific skill. It's not just, oh, I'm going to get a concrete guy and have him do that. It's You have to know what you're doing mm-hmm. with that. So then, of course, there's a supply and demand of labor, uh, too. So, yeah. so there, there are caveats, for sure, with More that. More specialized. Some, some limitations, and, yes. Yeah. And that will change. I mean, and it's like with everything. I mean, you look at, you know, technology is a great example of, of when, you know, a 30 gig hard drive first came out it was I don't even know how many probably hundreds of dollars you know like it was unfathomable and now you can get it for like Mm -hmm. you know seven bucks or something like that so well I remember little thumb drives you know yeah right it's like that's one gig no way yeah right yeah yeah, right it was like you just couldn't believe I can fit how many songs yeah so it's the same thing here and with how things are how rapidly things are progressing this is basically these building materials are basically they've they've gone into the technology realm like yes it's they're, they're building materials but but a lot of these the, the the innovators of this stuff are basically the tech companies at this point you know and in okay. some shape or form often so i i think that we'll see the progression really pick up on that and it'll seriously yeah. and and i didn't even plan to talk about this today this is probably a whole other topic but i'm even interested to see because i've heard stuff about like 3D printed houses, yeah, oh, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, there's um, yeah, there's guys out there that are doing that full on, actually full on printing. <laughs> I know uh, houses, and um, that's fascinating stuff too. And there's many different. Yeah, the 3D printing world is very very interesting. Um, a lot yeah, of, that's a lot of promise with with that. Yeah, um, it's really exciting to see where that's going, and that someone thought to use it for housing. <laughs> right. You know? I mean, yeah, they're they're finding ways to apply it to virtually everything. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, from cars to boats to I mean, there's a company just here in Coeur d'Alene, um, Continuous Composites, and they're oh yeah, really exciting company. Yeah, I met a guy recently who works for them, one yeah. of the engineers there, uh-huh. and um, yeah, that's pretty exciting. Little yeah. that is a small little place, and if you guys haven't heard of Continuous Composites, just a little side note, please go check them out. Actually, yeah. they're they have a little, it's pretty small, little location here in Coeur d'Alene, but they are, the, some of the stuff that they're pumping out of that place is really impressive. Yeah, and, and a lot of it's not public info, and you know, I'm not aware of everything they're doing, but what I do know is that a lot of the stuff they're doing, well, we can't know about yet, but right. it's <laughs> going to be, it's going to shake things up. Let's we'll just yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, they're, well, they're innovating they're, they're, brand they're, new they're, stuff. They're talking with really, really big names. Um, right. That, they're, they're doing things that there's a lot of people in the 3D printing space, but what they have figured out with their yeah. unique... Well, they remind me a lot of some of the beginnings of Rohini, for example. Yeah. Rohini kind of had something similar. They, yep. they, you know, they, they talked to a lot of big names. They're changing the entire and industry. They still, are. they still are. They've actually, right. at CES this year, they unveiled uh, a, a new technology with a joint venture they have with BOE, biggest TV manufacturer in the world, based out of China. Um, so they have nice. a joint venture with them and they unveiled a tech technology that um, is basically it's well, I'm not the guy to uh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I'm going to yes, yeah, stumble around and not eloquently explain this, but but basically it's um, they're, they're blowing the minds of the the biggest names. Oh yeah, and, LED and, string. Um, like that's nuts. Yeah, pa- paper thin <laughs> stuff and stuff. The density of the LEDs is yeah. ten times or many many times beyond that. The, you bet. the density and the capability of the next best thing. I get um, so excited when when tech stuff like that gets brought. So yeah. so really the big point here is like when you're talking about when we're talking about housing or 
even just to go more broad than that, sustainability in general, mm -hmm. really paying attention to these little en little engineering, truly small engineering firms and what they're coming up with. It's those ideas and how well they're actually executed. I mean, they get picked up. It's If it's smart enough and, right. and it's, right. it's, oh my gosh, that stuff is really something to get excited about because when you see a small tech company or a small engineering firm or a small design firm or a place like Core Holdings coming up with really cool village ideas, I mean, that type of stuff is the stuff of the future truly like that's that's what gets me so excited about what you guys are doing because i mean that's sure. yeah. that's you know you're you're getting a, a little peer into what's coming and it, when i hear about all these new materials like hempcrete and stuff like that i mean it is so exciting to see what what we're looking at looking for, you know moving forward here absolutely yeah and and seeing that this stuff is happening in Coeur in little yeah. people. I mean, you know, we're just this like resort. I mean, everybody knows, yeah, Cordelaine's beautiful and all of that, but nobody thinks of Cordelaine and then they think of you know a technological innovation mm -hmm. hub. And I mean, we can't call ourselves a hub yet, but <laughs> as far as that goes, yeah. but uh, we are. And it's the fact that that can be done. It shows it can be done anywhere. You know, if you have the right vision and mm -hmm. you know the right goal, and you stay true to that, and you bring in the right the right. You know, in the case of these other these companies, I mean, obviously they find the right talent as well. Um, but it, that that stuff, that innovation, can come out of anywhere, even mm -hmm. the most unsuspecting places. And you bet. and that's you know why we have the aspiration to develop with the core village a place that's worthy of anybody's attention anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. Just because we're in Coeur d'Alene doesn't mean that it can't be a a, a place that. You know, is a standout nationally. Yeah, I mean, why area. not here? You yeah, know, it's why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? So, speaking of all this stuff, I mean, we're we're talking about all these amazing things about sustainable housing. What are some of the downfalls, or perhaps some of the, I guess, for lack of a better term, what are some of these humps we're trying to get over as far as sustainable housing? What are some of these challenges we're trying to overcome right now, as it stands? Cost. Yeah, it's really all all it comes down to. There's no, in, in every way that I can measure it, there's no drawback other than cost. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, and if you know if the world revolves around money in some form or fashion, in the end, and that's just it's how it is. resources, you know, it's how it works. But but ultimately, that's really the the only barrier. If it costs the same, then we wouldn't have to you know figure out what the, the value proposition of these things. That this is why we should be doing this, and this is why we should be changing. I mean, change can be difficult. I, I suppose if, like we were saying before, if you just do things in the way that you know how to do them and it's comfortable and, and all of that. So that even even if cost wasn't an object, there would still be some battle to be had of mm -hmm. you know, we just need we need to change our ways of doing things. But when you add when you add the cost on top of that, and, and if you so if you're building say um, to the the lead standard or the well standard or passive house or or, or anything of that nature. You're typically looking at, I mean, ten percent's a low side, and probably typically twenty to forty percent, twenty to thirty is pretty common percent increase in cost, mm -hmm. which in of itself isn't necessarily the end of the world. But where the issue can come in is if it costs you thirty percent more to build a building, mm -hmm. is it worth thirty percent more when it's done? 
Right. Usually not. Usually yeah. there's a, a disparity there. So you're often looking at a 30% increase, say, in your build costs and a 10 to 15% maybe increase in value. And so where does that extra margin go? So that's what's hardest now that's interesting to too. For, for a lot of a lot of guys. Oh, you bet. Yeah. I mean, I I can certainly relate with that. I mean, yeah. Well, first, and we'll talk about this actually in just a moment as our in our our last point. But, but I mean that the cost thing. I mean that's something that it, it, definitely in terms of my generation, that is something that has is definitely plaguing millennials and and Gen Xers. Um, uh, housing costs are really Absolutely. it's hard, so hard to buy a house yeah. right now I, I mean, feel it too <laughs> you bet yeah it's yeah I, it's I it's not impossible but it's so much harder to buy a house now than it was say 50 years ago I mean that's there's so much data to support that and we can go on that I don't even want to but <laughs> yeah it's, yeah it's kind of depressing it is yeah, yeah but, it's, but that's that's interesting because it um, I almost think of like how we value homes like what actually like what we're actually ranking on. I'm wondering if, if those criteria could change, like what they need to change. They need to, they, I mean, they if, do. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the traditional way that we value something is, is inadequate. When we're looking at this type of development, it's just, it's not factoring in different, yeah. all these different types of, of categories. And, and especially when it comes to say your, your indoor overall indoor, um, environmental quality as in the air quality and things mm-hmm. and how does that what are the implications of you know, a, a building that is built to the, the lead standard or one of these other standards is going to be a better built more solid structure just by nature it mm-hmm. just is so there's definitely a long-term a short-term and a long-term value proposition to be had there of yes you save time you, you save money over time with the increased thermal efficiency and you know energy efficiency um, but you also have greater structural durability and you, all of the unique components and materials within the home are often um, of higher quality and typically therefore of longer lifespan and, and mm-hmm. durability. So with those, but, but that's where a lot of those, those nuances and those details are lost in translation when you're looking at the upfront cost versus yeah. the, the final product value. And a lot of it is also just very subjective. A lot of these buildings are that the value of them is sometimes in the eye of the beholder. I mean, I, I think that objectively, yes, they're worth more because of X, Y, and Z and better materials and standards and all of that. Mm-hmm. But there's also the factor of you, you'll have one person that says, oh, it's a lead. What is that? I don't care. And then you have another person right. who says, "That's all I want. That's all I want to live in. Like it's gonna be. It's got to be this." And they will pay above and beyond, maybe even what it costs over conventional to build. And so it depends on oh, yeah. the consumer, really, the supply and demand aspect of that. And I think that that is in, the prospects of that are improving as people become more aware of issues and more aware of this is this and that is that and this is why this is better and this is why you might want that mm-hmm. when it comes to these these higher qualities and more sustainably uh, developed stuff beyond just the philosophy and the ethics behind it but also just wanting it for what it is because it's a better yeah. product seems like but to see like real tangible changes there i mean you right. would have to have an entire change within an in like within the in- industry itself i mean the whole industry would have to kind of start to shift you, we're, yeah. we're seeing like yeah, little innovative groups change certain things and right. like we talk about hempcrete and stuff like that for example and that's more cutting edge right now 
But it, it seems like, which is amazing, and I'm super stoked about it, but yeah. at the same time, it, we would have to see an, an infrastructure change over the entire thing to really cause like real differences there in terms of, you know, we haven't even really talked about affordability per se in this episode. And I wanted to hold that off because that's, that's an entire conversation that I would like to have. But yeah, um, yeah. that's that's a it's that's in its that's its own challenge altogether. Right, it is. Yeah, very but, important uh, topic. <laughs> yeah, but to see that kind of thing, to see true affordability, to see more people be able to really get involved in housing that is more sustainable in the long run. I mean, we would have right. to see the whole industry change. True. In terms yeah, of its, its standards, its adoption. It, it comes down to it's it's a culture shift that's not just in the development industry, but entire population. I mean, it's, right. you know, it's all, it's all relevant coming back to that, what people value and what they think certain things are worth and supply and demand and all of that. Um, until all of that starts to basically you know, catch up, so to speak, and increase then, and, and it will, and it is happening. Um, and at a reasonable rate, I would, from what I can tell, mm-hmm. but it's, but it is definitely, I mean, this is, you know, it's a massive, I mean, uh, changing the culture is never it's it's a slow big slow. thing you know? yeah <laughs> so it has to be generally to, to accepted the, and... the direction of something like that right takes time so um so segueing from that into you know because we're talking about affordability we're talking a little bit about people being able to buy homes i mean it is true that less and less people are buying homes these days yeah that's um, true any millennial will tell you <laughs> Yep. Buy a home, yeah. they'll laugh. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Though I have seen positive trends of more and more people buying tiny houses. I know tiny houses got real big for a minute, and then we they, stopped hearing yeah, about them. Yeah, they did for, yeah, it was funny. They, they were huge for a minute. And yeah, still, and then we stopped hearing about it. They're but, still a thing, totally. Um, but now we just don't hear about it as much. It's not, not as so trendy. Much. Right, exactly. But, um, but it, it takes relatively little money to accomplish things like that. And in your opinion... You know, what sort of affordable ideas like this could people be pursuing to lower the carbon footprint that their home creates? Yeah, that's a really, I'm glad that you brought that piece of the picture up. So, yeah, we're definitely, as, as a, again, going back to the culture, definitely trending away from what, you know, like in the, the, the 80s and the 90s, it became, it, got, it was getting really popular. Everybody wanted the most square footage they could possibly get, that they could right. possibly qualify for pull off with you know their yeah. their buying power this is my the, piano room the, this right, is my yeah. <laughs> thinking room right exactly <laughs> exactly yeah the the mcmansion yeah uh, craze you know that, you that has plagued I, I will say it's an appropriate term for that plagued america for a few decades there that mm-hmm. was you know good, pretty prevalent for the 80s 90s and 2000s but but i i think that the recession you know that 2007 eight and that period mm-hmm. of time the recession it was a big wake-up call in a lot of different regards and 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 then following on the heels of that the you know the greater awareness that we've that we've with the the environmental issues the sustainability aspects mm-hmm. and those the sustainability issues have been around for a while but have come to a head obviously pretty recently oh yeah and so when you when you combine those things yeah it's people have Preferences. There's definitely been a culture shift. I think we're seeing a real people trending away, um, really trending hard away from from bigger is better and more is more. They're looking right. for well, what do I need? And quality over quantity is becoming more of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
and of but on, on of course affordability becoming more and more of a problem which there's that's a very complex issue affordability you <laughs> obviously bet. with yeah you know from inflation to costs of, of everything of labor of goods and all the things that go into you know, yeah there's so many things you have to bring up for everything it's right. it, it very much so it's yeah it's massive and I just I won't pretend I even really understand it well but if right. you start touching on pieces of of yeah where where all that starts to to come into play and so um, but as far as the yeah going towards the um, those those trends of the, the smaller footprint and and Consequently, the you know more sustainable nature of, of housing, um, we're, we're seeing that with millennials, uh, probably more than anything. I mean, mm-hmm. Millennials are the the kind of the the green generation. You know, probably the most conscious generation thus mm-hmm. far of, of these issues. But and even, I would even argue Gen Xers even more so. Uh, I mean, they're yeah for not sure. Not Gen Xers, sorry, uh, Gen uh, Gen uh, Zers. Zers. I said Gen yeah. X earlier yeah. too. I think I meant Gen Z. <laughs> The, the Zoomers, as the Zoomers, they yeah. affectionately yeah. <laughs> referred to. Uh, for sure, absolutely, yeah, they're cut from the same cloth in that regard. But even even Gen Xers and, and, and Boomers are to some extent, maybe not all for the same reasons, they all have maybe slightly different motivating factors, but, mm-hmm. but even the Boomers are starting, they're getting to a point in their lives where their kids are gone, and for the most part they're out of the house. Mm-hmm. And they are looking around like, what do I do with this thirty-five or four thousand square foot house? It's just it's just us two or just me or right. whatever. And I don't want to take care of this. I'm paying taxes on this. I'm cleaning this place. I'm upkeep. I mean, it's upkeep. It's all these right. these things. And so we're we're seeing we're seeing a trend towards downsizing uh, across the board. And for millennials, a lot of it is affordability. <laughs> but for boomers, right. it's often I just. What do I, I don't need this. Right. I don't need it's this. just I don't too need much. This much. This much house or this much stuff. Yeah. So that that bodes well for sure for um, for the future and those shifting preferences. Mm-hmm. And it's it's ironic actually that affordability issues are nobody likes likes that. Obviously, it's an it's an unpleasant issue that we have to deal with. But yeah, it's life. <laughs> but a silver lining of that is that it is resulting in a increasing demand for smaller and therefore more efficient and therefore more sustainable mm-hmm. dwelling places of dwelling so um so yeah while that's not not great it's actually helping i'll just say you know prod that <laughs> yeah that, that trend you know in a, in a, a more more intensely more quickly um in that way where and and regardless of how you feel about it multifamily housing i mean it's it's really um helped you know, made that take off. Actually, um, it's, yeah. To pause on that, that's in, that's an interesting concept. Like multi-family housing has been a thing in different other like European, Scandinavian countries um, have really been doing that kind of thing. Shared living. I yeah. forget exactly what they call it, but it's, communes maybe or yeah, like uh, it's uh, it's this one building that has several yeah. different people that different families that live yes. in there, and uh, yeah, very, they have yeah, a shared Europe, eating area. Yeah, yeah, very very into that Denmark. I've seen some. Denmark. I've seen Sweden. Yeah. Um, I have a, a couple of friends that actually live out there, and I don't know if probably Norway. I, I, I would imagine so, but but yeah, they've they've Similar utilized cultures. this thing, and, and of course, situations like that aren't always ideal. But the idea that you have an option, and again, we're not getting right. into so much in this episode in terms of the idea of affordable housing 
as a term, but you know, that's one thing that I'm glad to see could, I mean, we, that's promising knowing that other countries has, have made that work. It would be nice to see more of that in the U S we see it sometimes, but right. It would be cool. Yeah, definitely less. I think, and again, that's a cultural difference that Europeans have versus us is that we definitely seem to for better or for worse. However, you, you want to look at that value our our privacy and our own personal space in a different way. Oh yeah, we like to have our stuff than they here do. in the U.S. Yeah. And <laughs> and you know that's understandable, but but we can also, we can still have that though, and 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 do that in a more sensible, a less wasteful way, which I think mm-hmm. is where these these trends are going with the, the and I think that you're mentioning the tiny homes that that will continue, and I think that the the tiny home trend is. I mean, they're really tiny, <laughs> you know, real four hundred square foot. Yeah, you know, little little deals are sometimes smaller. Um, yeah, I think and, I know, saw the other day it was like three hundred or two hundred fifty even. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, actually, that yeah, like two to probably three fifty square feet. So yeah, properly like your your actual that's so your proper small. tiny home. And you know what? I I have great respect for people that can. That's all they need. Right. Or all they want, um, but I'm not sure if that's for everybody. Even on a reasonable, yeah. sustainable level, like not everybody can pull that off. I mean, if it's well, hard yeah, to, and, uh, and obviously if you like have if a you family, have a, if you have a family, you know. or yeah, I have, I have, I have three, uh, three kids, three boys, and um, I, uh, yeah, I mean. Living in you know 600, 400, yeah. 600 square foot uh, unit would be. I mean, people actually do that. So I know first world problems. I mean, let's right. be real, real here. I mean, there's For sure. lots of people. But at the same time, if if you have the the option, it's uh, yeah. I can see why people don't, <laughs> don't yeah. necessarily go that route. But, but again, there's a very the <laughs> reasonable middle ground that, yeah. that can be achieved. At the same, I also say I don't need with even with three children. I don't need. A four thousand square foot house. I mean, they just don't, or not even close yeah. to that. I mean, you know, people, you know, can get by just fine on fifteen hundred or a couple thousand. Or I mean, you know, there's mm-hmm. no like objective. Well, this is just the right number for X number of people. But again, I think that the the preferences and the people realizing that they just they'll take what they need, not just oh well, I want this, or I'm just gonna mm-hmm. get as much as I can afford. Um, yeah, is that mentality is fortunately I think for the most part shifted shifted away from that I'm glad to see um, that too it's it's really encouraging to see that trend you know we don't we don't hear about things like tiny houses as crazy like we used to we used to I think what was it like even just 10 years ago we, we, mm-hmm. it was like all I ever heard about was yeah. man have you seen this documentary about this young couple that never built yeah. anything in their lives and they built a tiny house yeah. you know like we I, that, that was there's some really cool documentaries you can watch about literally about people who have never built anything building right. their own tiny home and it builds so uh, mentally that has got to be the just the coolest psychological um thing i mean to to build your own space with your own hands and all this stuff my dad has done it uh, a lot of people have had this really cool success story and it's uh I would like to see where things like hempcrete and all these cool other, you know, renewable materials start to play into the idea of building our own little spaces and, um, you know, I, in, in, in conjunction with the village idea, I mean, all of this stuff really, not only does it build community in general, 
But, I mean, the fact that it's giving us as a society this idea of self-satisfaction and really being able to take care of yourself in this right. minor convenience society we've created. Um, what what uh, what Carrie McGrath in, in our uh, last episode of Artistic Expression, she, she called it the fast food convenience. Right. And yeah. seeing us get away from that, some companies might not like it, but it's, I would argue that's what we have to do if we're going to see a sustainable world take place. Yeah, I, I you agree. Know. With that, that convenience mindset, you'll, you, you prioritize everything over mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of that convenience and you'll, you'll, you'll take it regardless of the cost, the environmental cost or the, the I don't know, our, our, the, the cost at our, our health or psychology or what have you. I mean, there's again, mm-hmm. a lot of things that go into that, but I agree that if that's the priority that that supersedes you know, over everything else, yeah. then um, yeah, other more important things will suffer. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been Definitely. a lovely conversation. I have been fascinated with this idea, and Brad and I have been trying to get together for like too long, trying to get, <laughs> yeah. trying to get together in the same building, and yeah. I'm so happy that we finally got together and talked Likewise. about this. This was a really fun conversation. The first of many, I'm I sure. It, yeah. As Yeah, as, as we kind of mentioned throughout the episode, as we tend to talk about in like all of our episodes now, we're like, well, let's not trail off into that tangent, because I, there's a lot of other... <laughs> You yeah, know. yeah. Leave it to me to do that for sure. So oh there's, man, there's yeah several other ideas just sitting yeah you bet. in front of my brain right now that I could easily just oh, start yeah. talking about. So it's it's fun stuff. Yeah, a lot that goes into it. So if you guys have any questions that you'd like to ask uh, myself or Brad, just use the Sustainable Culture Podcast uh, Gmail. It is Sustainable Culture Podcast at Gmail um, Please send those questions over. If you guys uh, would like to support the show, remember we have a Patreon account now. It's just patreon.com slash sustainable culture podcast. And uh, Brad, where can folks find you in, in Core Holdings if they have some questions or want to look into what you guys are doing? Yeah, we have a site, uh, coreholdings.com and corevillage.com. Uh, my contact info is there and we have uh, some some information on there, uh, much of which is under development still and not on the site. Uh, but uh, here we're working hard at making the, the village project a reality, working with the city a lot, uh, Department of Transportation. There's a lot going on that you know that are relevant to our project, the property and therefore the project that yeah. we have to work through that these things take time. But um, but yeah, you can go there and if you have any questions, yeah, reach out. I'd love to love to talk to anybody who uh, is looking for info or, or has some ideas even. Yeah. So, yeah. Any yeah. ideas you guys have? If you would like to have any questions be featured on social media or anything like that, any feedback whatsoever, in other words, send it on over. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. And Brad, dude, thank you for, thank you, Jeff. for meeting yeah. up. This was so fun. My pleasure. Right on. See you guys. Yet again, we've discovered a topic worth exploring with a sustainable outlook. And what's interesting to me, beyond the materials used and regulations followed, is the idea that solving these issues requires the adoption of a sustainable mindset long before development even occurs. We mentioned wonderful materials such as bamboo, cross-laminated wood, and hempcrete, but none of this happens without a psychological shift prior to the planning stages. We can move further and adapt to positive change if we simply decide to do so. Thanks again for listening to the show, everyone. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to the show and share us on social media with your friends and family. 
Remember, you can find us with a new episode every month on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you do your podcast listening. I'm Jet McLaughlin, and I'll see you next time.